Welcome to episode 10 of the Rediscovery of Me Life Stories podcast. Today's episode is all about why fitness really is for all of us. I think the problem these days is so many people are on social media, Instagram, and more often than not, all you see on social media is positive stories. People don't come up and say, look at me, I'm overweight. They show pictures of themselves at their prime. Mm. People feel like that's what they have to achieve. But what they don't realise is, say, Instagram models for a start, that's their life. They are paid to look like that. They have got sponsorship. They have got, you know, their whole life is based around their diet. So they are being paid to look like that. So we would all look like that if we could say, right, that's my job. Yeah, yeah. But that's the point, that your normal person with kids, work, commitments, yeah. housework, can't spend the sort of time in the gym that these people can. So you can't have that as your goal. You've got to have a realistic goal based on your life. It's time to be your best version of you. No fluff, no nonsense, only practical ways for you to be your own extraordinary. We learn from the real stories of real people who've been there and survived the life challenges that we all face. Remember, one person's story can be someone else's survival guide. Welcome to the rediscovery of me. I'm your host, Holly Hartley. Come in, boat number 10. Your time is up. Hello, everybody. Woohoo! I've made it to double digits and I am very pleased with that indeedy. We're certainly not mucking about, that's for sure. Thank you for joining me as ever here on the Life Stories podcast. Now, podcast professionals will tell you that I'm not meant to make episodes date specific. Well, I'm afraid I'm breaking the rules on this one today. This episode is to be released on December the 26th, as we're still stuffing our faces with leftover turkey and mince pies. Jolly good show, I say. So I'm delighted to be joined on today's show by someone who's going to share with us what we need to do to get into shape in time for 2020. But that's not just about those that are already there, already fit and raring to go at the gym. This is about exercise for all of us, regardless of our age, our size, our current level of fitness, no matter where you are. As he says, summer bodies are made in the winter. But if you are listening to this on a sunny July day, do not be disheartened. It's a great episode with lots of useful information that can be applied at any time of the year. I really hope that you enjoy today's show. My guest on today's show is a former member of the Royal Navy. Having served for eight years in communications, he retrained to become a personal trainer. He now runs his own military fitness company, specialising in outdoor group and one-to-one -one fitness. As someone who discovered fitness in later life, he believes that we're all capable of changing for the better, regardless of where we are at with our own fitness, and that we don't have to be, quote, sporty to enjoy getting fit. He's here to talk to us about getting our fitness goals off to a great start in 2020, what to do when you don't know where to start and the impact of fitness and mental health. He is the very lovely Andrew Corner. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Holly. Or are we Andy or Andrew? Andy, please. Andy. OK, so thank you so much for joining me to discuss this really important topic. I can't say that I've got any particular level of expertise in this whatsoever. So I really want us to have a really kind of frank conversation about exercise and address some of those issues that, that I think a lot of people worry about that stop them from joining clubs and classes. Absolutely. You know, I think we need to work really hard today to dispel a few myths and limiting beliefs that people have. So before we start, I think it's worth saying that neither you or I are medical doctors. 
doctors and whilst you are a professional physical trainer if anyone is thinking about making a significant change in their life that it's always good to get some medical advice absolutely yeah Let's start with your story then. I think it's fair to say that you weren't always sporty and you discovered exercise a bit later in life. Tell us about that. Yes, I was never sporty at school. Yeah. I um, got no foot-eye or hand-eye coordination, was never in any of the sport teams. I enjoyed going out on my bike. I enjoyed the usual things that kids do, really running about. The fun stuff. Yeah, the fun stuff. So obviously I had a level of fitness which was sufficient to join the Royal Navy. And then it wasn't until I joined the Navy and just discovered fitness as as a... a sport I guess it was fit, it was fitness that I liked and it just became almost to start with a way of alleviating the boredom when you're at sea and you've got hours to spare that I started going to the gym I started learning more about fitness and what kinds of things were you doing then then on the well on the ship it was just that we had uh, we were lucky enough to have rowing machines all the usual cardiovascular machines running around the upper deck and then just using the weight equipment running around the upper deck absolutely yeah <laughs> the funny thing there is um each day on the daily order sheet we get they they give you a direction to run him so each day it changes from anti-clockwise to clockwise <laughs> to make sure that everyone's running in the same direction oh, wow. so people aren't running into each other. Right, okay. So, quite so it's that regimented then? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it has to be because otherwise people are always going to be yeah. running into each other. You've got 100 people running around the upper deck. So, But yeah, just bit by bit start. And then, then you obviously have fitness challenges that the, the ships put out there to make things a bit interesting when you're on deployment. And I just started finding the love for fitness itself. Yeah. So this obviously wasn't from until I was sort of 19, 20, 21 years old, so... I guess, later in life, really. So what impact did taking up exercise have on you then? Why did you kind of get the bug? One of the original things why I started doing it was, and I think this goes without saying, that there's a very social element to the military. and That's you, well put, Andy. Social element. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sort of said to myself, if I'm, if I'm going to enjoy the the finer things in life, enjoy the nights out, the partying, but I had to find some balance mm. because I, I was seeing people who were struggling with drinking too much, partying mm. too much. Mm. And I guess there was a mental health aspect to that where people suffered as a result, uh, relationships suffered. So I said to myself, if I was going to do that, I was going to you know, do the polar opposite and keep myself fit as well. So if I knew I was going on a night out, I would have a workout. Yeah. And I'd, there'd always be a, ba- a balance. And I think just as that went on, I just found that the exercise started to creep up a little bit more and mm. the night's out mm. down a little bit and just, I found a happy medium. Mm. So. And you still exercise for play, how old are you now? 41. You're now 41 and you, you did eight years in the Navy. But That's right. So your exercise has continued to be quite a significant part of your life since that point. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so since I left the Navy, I, the sport I discovered was obstacle course running. And I'd, Obstacle course running. Yeah, so OCRs, any event that's got mud, tunnels, obstacles. And I found that with my level of fitness I'd established in the Navy, it was obviously because you do obstacle course in the Navy anyway, in the military, it fit with where I was. I wasn't mm. a big guy, I wasn't a weightlifter, mm. and at the same time I wasn't a super fast runner because mm-hmm. I've never been that sporty. So I was somewhere in the middle where I had a nice balanced level of fitness, which I think works quite well with a lot of people. Yeah where a lot of people are sorry and they're just great fun and once again it's just a sport for fun rather than for competitiveness yeah so so now then you're obviously working for yourself as a PT and you do group and one-to-one fitness I think there's a massive myth around fitness about the kind of people that it's meant for in inverted commas you know I think a lot of people think that they don't belong in fitness classes because maybe they're coming from such a low starting point 
Could you kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Because obviously you run military fitness classes that are pretty demanding and gruelling. And there might be people out there that think classes like you run aren't for them because they are so far behind. You know, they're coming from a kind of standing start. What kind of people do you like to work with? I just pretty much like to work with the public in general. I mean, if you look at one of my classes on a, say, for example, a Monday evening, I'll have people from 18 years old right up to 65, from people who are training specifically for marathons right just down to someone looking to lose a few pounds. And the way, therefore, I run the classes, I try to balance it out to suit everyone. Mm -hmm. So if there's a, a station that involves using kettlebells, I make sure that there's kettlebells from four kilos right up to 30. Mm. So I never try to make the classes too competitive. I make them fun, enjoyable, and therefore it's open to everyone. And but do you really mean that? It really is open to everybody that, you know, regardless of weight, size, level of fitness? I think there's obviously got to be a barrier where if you have any medical issue or something that needs more one-to-one -one attention, mm -hmm. then yes, you have to look at that and say, is that suitable for this kind of class? Mm -hmm. But as far as weight, age and fitness levels go, I will happily adapt an exercise to suit someone who's less fit. And I try to make the classes as fun and relaxed as possible so no one's feeling out of place or no, no one feels like they're under pressure to perform or compete with anyone else. So it's just about just having fun and making exercise a part of your life. So, yeah, to pretty so, much anyone. So what would you say in particular to people that they're embarrassed about how they look, perhaps they're scared of making a fool of themselves? You should never feel, ever feel that you uh, would make a fool of yourself or that you're not fit enough to take part in a fitness class. I think just taking that first step, getting into a gym, getting into a class, finding something you like, mm -hmm. that's the most important thing, I think. A lot of people these days feel they have to do a specific kind of exercise or a specific kind of sport. There's so much out there to do that you find something you like that you're, you know, you're comfortable with and then take small steps and slowly build up to, to build up your fitness level. Most uh, instructors out there are open-minded enough to allow people of all levels. Yep. I think if the class says, has a label like uh, advanced class, that's probably somewhere you wouldn't necessarily start at. Mm -hmm. You would start at a more intermediate or beginner's class. Mm -hmm. However, if a class is open to all, I don't. Uh, most instructors would be happy to adapt. There's always um, lower impact ways to do exercises, or in some cases, more extreme ways to do the exercises for people who are fitter. Mm. So I guess if somebody finds a class where they go and they start and they don't feel comfortable, it's a case of that's not the right class for you and perhaps yeah, that's exactly. not the right instructor for you. Because there are instructors out there like you who generally will open their doors to anybody I think like anything you've got to realize that it's an industry so the instructors are there to, to make money and pay their bills yeah um, but at the same time you you have to you're working very closely with people from all backgrounds and and therefore that personal side of it is, is a very important part of the job as well so yeah I mean I've been to exercise classes in the past whereby I did I felt really humiliated I remember one particular spin lesson he kind of pulled me to the side at the end of it and I think he was actually trying to be kind to me. I think he was trying to give me some pointers, but I just felt utterly humiliated at the end of it. And I think when you are coming from a really low starting point, you know, you, you perhaps haven't exercised for a long time. I think it's important that you do find the instructor that it's about trust, I guess. Absolutely. I think so. And I think um, one thing I get told about myself personally is that the whole the banter, the fun we have, that's part of why people come. Yeah. And people have told me they've been coming to my class in particular longer than they've ever done any other classes simply because 
of the environment that, that's created there and making everyone feel welcome. And I think that's such an important part. So if you do go to a class and you feel that the instructor is not the right person for you, there's hundreds of classes out there. You can find the one that fits and everyone is different. So so just because one doesn't work doesn't mean that they're Yeah, all... exactly, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it is a trial process. It's like anything. We're all different fits. We're all different shapes and sizes. We all like different things. So finding the right fit, it doesn't mean you have to go to a specific class and just stick at it if you hate it because if you hate it, you're more likely to stop going. Yeah. And therefore you you won't get the results you want. So finding something that's enjoyable over killing you every week and hating being there. Yeah. So. Okay, so it's about finding the right class then. Absolutely. So where do you practically start then when you've got this kind of huge mountain ahead of you? Let's go right back to basics. So imagine that we're talking to somebody who hasn't exercised at all for yonks and yonks and yonks. What equipment, what clothing, where do you need to start? Somebody who's just starting out, what do they need? Well, if we start with clothing then, most basic just something you're comfortable in. Mm-hmm. A decent pair of trainers are very important. Mm-hmm. The amount of people I see who've had the same trainer since they were at school, 15, 18 years old, falling to bits. Um, it is important you buy a decent pair of trainers that are comfortable and suit the class you're, you're doing. Okay. Um, I mean, that's pretty technical because out there today there are loads of different kinds of... All shops will help you, though. You can go into the most basic sports shop and they'll know roughly what you need if you tell them what you're looking to do. Yeah. So some trainers are more suited for in, inside in a gym. Other trainers are better for outdoor classes where you need more grip. Yeah. So, and I mean, speak to the instructor as well before you even come. I mean, most instructors will take time out to have a chat with you beforehand, whether that's by email or phone, mm-hmm. and that, that they can therefore explain what you need for that specific class. I think uh, in the short term, though, if you're just testing out, go along, see what it's about, even go and watch the class and just get an idea of what other people are wearing. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be the latest gear just what you're comfortable training in. Okay, I think that's a really important point. So we don't need to be there in the latest designer gear. No, absolutely not. And and is it true that, say, if you went to, I don't know, we're not going to name stores, but, you know, you don't need the big brands, that the the store-branded stuff is acceptable? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially these days, I think some of the lower-branded companies, even the supermarkets that are producing trainers that are 15, 20 pound a pair, which work perfectly adequately for what you need. I think unless you're looking at going to the next level where you're training for marathons or training for something far more serious, that takes it to another level. If all you're looking for is something that's comfortable and suits you, then you don't need to be spending huge amounts of money. Okay, that's really good. That's good, because I think that's, that sometimes is a, is a barrier for people that maybe... The financial so, side, yeah. The financial side mm-hmm. and also fitting in stuff. You know, you go to some of these sports clothes, sports stores and they're not... They don't always cater for people of all shapes and sizes. They tailor more for the Instagram model type look. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's really, really helpful. So from an exercise perspective then, you choose the right class, you turn up to your class and you really struggle. You know, what would you say to somebody in that kind of situation? First and foremost, I always tell um, new people that come to my class to begin slowly. Mm -hmm. Learn the basics, learn the technique, learn the movements, but be prepared to struggle with the first few sessions because anything new, anything that's going to push you to improve your fitness is going to hurt. Even me, if I was to go out tomorrow and do something completely new that I haven't done for months, I would probably be aching afterwards. I would be, my technique would be rubbish. It's about doing something new. It's going to shock your system. So Mm -hmm. you've got to be prepared to maybe push through that a little bit at the start. But if you've found the, the right class, the right instructor, you will get the help you need to learn how to do the exercises correctly once you learn the basic movements the basic posture for exercises it all comes together over time 
So, so in terms of the ingredients, you, you've just talked you before about commitment. What are the key ingredients for making a commitment to exercise and how do you get in that right mindset? It's an interesting question because obviously for someone like me, it's my livelihood now. So the commitment for me is so much easier because that's my life. Mm -hmm. Everyone's different. Everyone has different lifestyles, children, work, traveling to work. Mm -hmm. There's so many factors that affect when you can train, how long you can train for. I think some people feel they have to train so many hours a week to get the results they want. Mm -hmm. When they don't, mm -hmm. it's finding the suitable time of the day for you personally. So a lot of people say, oh, I'll do the evening classes, but the problem is they end up getting held back at work or things with the kids. So by the time they finish their day at eight o'clock, the last thing they want to do is exercise. So try and find something first thing in the morning. Everyone's different. Everyone's, it's just finding what's comfortable and what fits for you. And if that's small steps to begin with, just doing one or two classes a week, but you've got to give yourself that time. Mm -hmm. It's important because one of the things I see sometimes is people say, I don't have time to exercise. Yet next thing you know, you hear them having a conversation about what happened on Coronation Street the night before. Mm -hmm. And that's fair enough if that's something that's a good part of their life. You know, you don't want them to stop watching the programs they like or the things they like. But if you're watching three and four hours of TV a night and then you're saying you haven't got time to exercise, you've got to find a balance there. Yeah. So, and that's about priorities, I guess. Yeah, finding the what, what pri yeah, exactly, prioritizing your what's important in your life at that time, exactly. When you're somebody that, yeah, fair enough, watches a couple of hours of TV every night, wants to lose weight, but struggles to make that first step, what is that kind of magic ingredient that helps people to realize that you know what, my health is a priority? And um, we talked about the the not to 100 scale the other night, and I'm I don't know if that's something that fits in now. Mm -hmm. This is from another trainer that invented this scale, but it works very simply. If you look at your life on a particular day, so not, not 20 years before when you were 20 years old, look at that day at that point and you scale it out of, uh, on a scale of 0 to 100. So 0 being basically dead to 100 being super fit mm -hmm. and decide what percent on that scale you are. So say you're at, num at, at 70, you have to look then and say, in my life at the moment, am I doing sufficient to be able to move up from 70. Mm -hmm. Do I have enough time in my life at the moment to change my diet, to make improvements on my diet and make improvements on the amount of exercise I do? Mm -hmm. If the answer in your heart is yes, you know you can move up that scale and slightly improve your position on that scale. If however you can honestly hand on heart say that you do everything you possibly can to keep fit, to eat healthily, and that fits comfortably in your life at this point, you have to accept or be happy with your position on that scale because you're doing all you can without it jeopardizing your life as a whole. So you don't want to end up doing so much exercise and being so devoted to healthy eating that you don't go out drinking with friends, that you don't socialize with friends, that you don't have time with your family, and then it starts affecting your work as well. If that's the case, then you've got to take yourself back on that scale a little bit and say, I'm happy with my life because it's got to be about a work-family-life balance. So, yeah. so I think sometimes the message that we get is a bit of a die-hard message, which exactly. is we've all got to do four hours exercise a week. Yep. I mean, I, at the minute, I just cannot fit four hours exercise into my working week. I just can't do it. And I think sometimes it's easy to be derailed by that and think, right, well, if I can't do four hours, I'll just do nothing at all. I mean, that, that is a problem. I think I, I hear it all the time. So say that this time of year is a prime example that people get to December and go, oh, there's so much going on. I'll just leave it till January. Yeah. And they have a whole month off exercise. Yeah. And you say, well, that's that's crazy because that's a whole month. That's 30 days when you might you might only fit 10, 10 workouts in 
you might only fit five workouts in, but that's five more than you would have done. Yeah. And if that's just helping you to plateau or to tick along until January where you become more focused, then so be it. But don't say, I'm just going to stop because I can't do the industry required amount of sessions a week because mm-hmm. everyone is different. We, you know, If you look at what the industry quotes, they say you should be doing three to four vigorous workouts a week, five, roughly five moderate sessions of exercise a week. Five uh, moderate exercise would be going for a walk, just social exercise, even just things like gardening, just moving. Yep. But if you were then looking to improve your fitness or to lose weight, you would want to be changing those moderate sessions into vigorous sessions. That's mm-hmm. when you start doing the fitness classes, the harder running, anything like your Zumba, your club size, anything that gets you sweating, that gets you out of breath. But not everyone can fit four solid hours of exercise into a week. Yep. So you've got to therefore, as I was talking about the scale before, look at what you can fit into your week. And if you are doing sufficient, then you should be happy with the position you are and not feel that you're not reaching the goals someone else is setting. Yep. Because it should be about your own personal goals. So always be happy with yourself if you believe that you are doing sufficient or doing enough without it getting in the way of your life. And it's almost so, like giving permission, people permission to be realistic about yeah, absolutely. their life. Realistic where, goals. Yeah, realistic goals about their life and where they are now. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really helpful. I think the problem these days is so many people are on social media, Instagram, and more often than not, all you see on social media is positive stories. People don't come up and say, look at me, I'm overweight. They show pictures of themselves at their prime. Mm-hmm. People feel like that's what they have to achieve mm-hmm. but what they don't realize is say instagram models for a start that's their life they are paid to look like that they have got sponsorship they have got you know their whole life is based around their diet so they are being paid to look like that yeah so we would all look like that if we could say right that's my job yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's the point that your normal person with kids work commitments yeah. housework can't spend the sort of time in the gym that these people can so you can't have that as your goal You've got to have a realistic goal based on your life. So That's really helpful. I think I've spent years feeling inadequate, really, because I've had this image in my head of what I think I should, in inverted commas, be like. But actually, you know what? If I'm being dead honest, I like eating. I, I like, like eating too, <laughs> <laughs> I like drinking. I like socialising with my friends. And... I don't want to live a puritanical life where I don't do that. It's just not what I want. That's not a life as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that might sound crazy for me as a personal trainer to say, but I like a night out. You know, I'm ex-forces, as we we touched upon before, you know, we enjoy the social Mm -hmm. side of life. An example, the other night we had our um, Christmas do, and we were talking about how people say, I've been out for a night and I've had had a chicken breast with salad. Mm. You'll be really proud of me. And I, I actually turned around to that person and said, but that's what you're working towards. You're earning that night out. Have the sauce on your chicken. Have the cu- couple of glasses of wine. Enjoy that night out. Mm. Because if all the time you're you're worried about a calorie here or a calorie there, mm. it, I wouldn't class that as a life. Mm. I would I would say that's more of an existence. So you want to feel like you've lived your life. I know that we've touched on this already, but but let's just just, just unpick it a slightly more. So people that are particularly busy, maybe they've got young kids, dependent relatives, you know, a big job, and they really haven't got much time. You know, what practical strategies would you give them to fit exercise into their life? You know, if perhaps they've only got 20 minutes in the morning or half an hour at the end of the day or whatever it may be, you know, and they really are shattered, tired people. 
you know, often they're busy working parents. We've already said, yeah, don't beat yourselves up. Let's be realistic. But what kinds of things could they do? Well, there's obviously workouts out there now. I mean, it's been proven now that a 20 minute hit workout first thing in the morning. And what's hit? Hit is high intensity interval training. So you're doing short, sharp bursts of high intensity exercises, which massively peak your heart rate. Yeah. Again, this is not always suitable for everyone because high intensity exercises quite often tend to be um, quite high paced, jumping, things that some people might not necessarily be able to do. So you can work on a slightly lower version of that. But there is so much on the internet these days that you can follow. You can just find 20 minute workouts on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Most TVs can be connected up to YouTube as well or to the internet. So you can be in your own front room. You can do 20 minutes exercise. It only has to, you don't need expensive equipment. You can use your own body. There's so much you can do in a small space. I mean, my speciality as a personal trainer is working at people's houses. So I have to do all my personal training in the space that I'm provided with when I get to that house. So you don't need a gym, you don't need masses of space and there is things you can do. So just getting up 20 minutes earlier in the morning and doing a quick hit could have massive benefits on your health. So, So let's talk a little bit more then about age and exercise. You obviously cater for classes, you've already said already, where sure. you take people, well, you know, you take little kids, you'll take people all the way up to 70, 80 years of age. And you've even told me a story before about working with, a, you know, a client in her 70s who wanted to work on our bone density. Sure. Are there prescribed amounts of exercise that we should be doing according to our age or is it just a case of doing what's right by us? I think people are younger nowadays. People like, whereas like middle yeah. age used to be yeah. in the 40s somewhere, middle age is now more like... In the middle of 50s. Andy, I'm 43, I'm still a kid. That's, well, same here. So um, people, I mean, people are fitter, stronger for a lot longer now. A 60-year-old these days is yeah. so much fitter, so much stronger. And I think in a lot of cases, you notice that by the time people are reaching 40, 50, 60, they're finding what they like. They've mm. got the maturity, they've got the understanding. And quite often, they've got the, sometimes got the time and finances to actually get more into sport. Mm-hmm. I think we're also more aware of health than ever before Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think things have definitely changed recently. I think people are more aware of their diets. Then there's a lot more out there for people to do. I don't think age should ever be a barrier. Obviously, as we get older, you've got to be conscious of the medical aspects and you've got to be conscious of your body. You can't just suddenly start doing uh, military fitness classes in your 60s or 70s mm-hmm. if you've not done anything for 20 years because it might have adverse effects on your health. But starting somewhere then building up to something. I've, I've, I've had clients in their 70s doing boxing with me. Yeah. And obviously exercise is so important. I mean, I, I have one phrase I've heard quite often is when people say to a friend who's in their, say, in their 60s, what do you mean you're doing exercise? You know, you're too old to do exercise. No, you shouldn't be doing that. No, you shouldn't be doing boxing. But you should be. Mm. Because as you get older, as long as it's moderated to suit your fitness and your age, it's so important for disease prevention, for mental health, for just having, being more positive, being more energetic and living a stronger, healthier life mm-hmm. as you get older. Because the last thing you want to be doing at 70 years old is walking around with two walking sticks. Mm. And there's people out there in their 90s running marathons mm-hmm. because you can do that as long as you maintain a sensible level of exercise. I think that's the important part. I think people drop in and out of exercise. But if you can find what you love to do in life and make it part of your lifestyle and that's something you do year in, year out, week in, week out, there's no stop point then. As long as you're sensible, you're not overdoing it, you can keep training until you know, as long the as end. You want, until the end. I didn't want to say the end, but yeah, pretty much. So. Well, we've all got an end, Andy, sadly. <laughs> yeah. 
But it comes back to that thing again about, you know, even for an older person, perhaps, you know, somebody who's retired, all classes are for everybody. Absolutely. All of I love this phrase. All of the world is for everybody. You know, age, weight, gender, whatever should not be a barrier to anybody access, accessing any kind of exercise class. And if you do feel uncomfortable, then go find another one. Exactly. Because they're not the right one for you. So t- t- tell us a little bit about resolutions then. You know, I think a lot of people, obviously, this is a podcast episode that's going out on the 26th of December, Boxing Day. We figured it was it's useful as people are working on New Year's resolutions. What might be a good resolution to set for ourselves in terms of our exercise? I think importantly with resolutions, and I think I touched on it before, it's about making it a sensible lifestyle choice. I think the problem is people think or tend to associate resolutions with January mm. and they make these huge decisions that they're going to exercise every day, change their life, give up smoking, give up drinking. They do these huge, huge things that are totally unmanageable and by two weeks into January have just given up and have gone back to their way, their old ways. And they feel more, like they failed. And yeah, they feel like they failed and they're more disheartened than they ever were mm. because they put too much pressure on themselves to make these huge changes in, in a short time. I think more importantly with resolutions, it's about looking at your life, going back to the life plan we were talking about earlier, looking at your life and looking about what can be reasonably achieved, things that you know you can change sensibly within your life, within your time, your timeline, and taking sensible steps to begin with, mm-hmm. and get your body used to exercising, making small changes to your diet which are comfortable, not drastic, don't start making you know, getting into fad diets or making huge decisions which could affect your health in the long term in some mm-hmm. cases. Mm-hmm. Just being sensible about uh, New Year's resolutions is, is important. And also, they don't have to be just on New Year. No, absolutely not. That's the point. I mean, a li- it should be a lifestyle choice. I mean, yeah. that, everyone said January the 1st, New Year, new me. But it should be all year. That, and, and as I said before, again, people go, oh, it's December, I'll wait till January. But why? Make a resolution today to just add that extra little bit of just movement yeah I mean and that's I think the we most all have to thing. be really honest about that you know that kind of holding ourselves to account because actually that's just denial isn't it you know I am a absolute so-and-so for thinking oh it's Friday night I'll you know I deserve it I'll start the diet on Monday you yeah. know and I've seemed to be doing that for the last 25 years <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's about holding yourself to account for what you want absolutely yeah you mentioned a moment ago about fad diets how important is eating healthily Eating healthily is obviously hugely important, as far, especially when it comes to, because when we look at fitness, there's fitness and then there's weight loss. Mm-hmm. And the common thing you hear people say to you is, I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Weight isn't the word. We, we want to say we want to lose fat, because what ends up happening, especially with fad diets, where people cut out entire portions of their diet, thinking that's going to be the solution. So they cut out protein, they cut out carbs. They have juices or soup diets which massively reduce their calorie intake. Not only are you losing fat, you're also losing lean mass, you're losing bone density, you're losing muscle. These are the things that make our bodies strong and healthy. So if we're not getting sufficient fuel in our bodies, our bodies won't function properly. Mm. And this can have massive adverse effects in the long term. So ensuring you're eating the right food, and we're not talking here eating like a professional athlete, we're talking Three sensible meals a day, because the, the, the idea recently has been about breaking your meals down to five or six meals a day. How many people can sit there and eat five, six meals a day? I don't have time. If you had the time, fantastic. If you can mm. break your meals down to small metabolic hits of food that just keep you burning calories all day, fantastic. 
but that doesn't suit everyone. So as long as you can look at your day and say you've had three sensible meals, and don't beat yourself up if you, for whatever reason for work or everything that you have a bad meal, or you miss a meal for whatever reason because you simply haven't had time to have it, mm. just get yourself back on track afterwards. Just making sure that when you look at a plate of food or a bowl of food, it's fairly balanced, it's fairly healthy. I always say to my clients, if you look at food and it's as natural as it can be, so there's no jarred sorties or processed foods, you're not doing too badly already. Mm. And then you start looking at the more finer things, making sure you're eating enough protein for your body size, enough carbohydrates for energy, and that you're eating enough fiber in the form of obviously vegetables, oats, etc., and fruit. You can't go wrong, and then just making sure you're drinking plenty of water. So it's just sensible choices. Everybody knows that if they ate a McDonald's every day, mm. that's not good. Mm -hmm. And if they replace that McDonald's with a salmon fillets with sweet potato mash and vegetables, that's a simple change. But the diet. McDonald's every now and then isn't going to kill you. Isn't going to kill you, no. I mean, we all deserve a treat. We all deserve something nice. We all, you know, Friday night, treat yourself. Mm. Have that nice meal. Have mm. that cheat day. Don't get hung up on having to eat healthily all the time. Mm. As long as there's a balance throughout the week and you're getting sufficient calories. I mean, this is the main problem, especially when people are trying to lose weight. They think the less they eat, the more weight they'll lose. Mm. And it couldn't be further from the truth. You need to make sure you're fueling your body. Mm. So if you're not fueling your body enough, it won't function properly. And that can have massive adverse effects on, again, on, just on your um, physical health, well-being, but also on your mental well-being if you're, if, you, if you're losing energy because you're not eating enough food. Mm. I use a car analogy sometimes where I say if, you, if you're trying to drive your car from Manchester to Edinburgh but you don't put enough fuel in it, it would break down halfway. Mm. And that's exactly the same with a person. If you're not getting enough fuel into your body, it would break down and it won't function properly. Mm. So... Okay, cool. Diet's very important. So you've just mentioned uh, mental health and on the Life Stories podcast, we talk a lot about mental health. So how can exercise help us with our mental health? Obviously, talking about the whole positivity side of being fitter and mm -hmm. healthier mm -hmm. is a huge start for a lot of people. It's easy to, you know, to look at yourself in the mirror and see a better version of yourself and say, I feel better as a result of that. Yeah. So yes, exercise in that sense would definitely help people feel, have a more positive outlook on themselves. On the more important side of it, I think exercising in, a, in general will release endorphins, will give you that positive feeling, the good vibe you get from exercising, the good vibe you get from achieving something you've not achieved before, mm. from trying something new. I think as well, especially with what I do, I find that the social element of it, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going through something hard, which I know some of the members of my classes are, being able to step out of that and be around people, mm who make you feel good, it's fun, it's social. Mm. So that side of it helps as well, I think. So it's taking your mind off of things that are troubling you perhaps. Mm. Um, it's easy for a personal trainer to say, exercise makes you feel better. There's so much more to it. It's not as, it's not as uh, simple as that. Yeah. But I do strongly believe, and over the 15 years I've noticed this, that especially with the classes, I find that people come out of their shells, they have fun, and it is a stress relief. And stress is a huge part of mental health. Mm. Um, we live in a stressful world. There's a lot going on. People have busy lives. Mm. Just being able to take an hour for yourself. Just This is the more important part of it. It's not just about how you look in the mirror. It's about giving yourself time every day. One of the jokey comments I always put on my page, especially when I'm winding people up who I haven't seen for a little while, is an hour's exercise is 4% of a day. And when you think of it like that, it's a tiny number. Yeah. So when people are saying they haven't got time to exercise because their life's so busy, you think it's just 4% of a day. Yeah. If you break it down to that and you say, 
if you can just give yourself that 4% of a day to do something for yourself, mm. something positive, something you know will make you feel better, it's, it's huge. It, it does make a difference. What I, what I do with some of my members is I get them to write a life story about where they've come from, the reason they train. And I think mental health is mentioned uh, numerous times. People say how it's such a positive part of their week yeah. and they actually look forward to it. And if they're ill and they can't make it, they're climbing the walls, wishing they were at the park, having fun. And that's why, that's how we make it. I think that's the most important part that if exercise can be fun, can be enjoyable, rather than it being the slog in the gym, rather than forcing yourself to go, it can have amazing effects on people. I, I really do believe that. Yeah, and science so, proves it as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. I think from, from my perspective, you know, you, you, I'll get up and I'll think, oh God, I really don't want to exercise. But then I do it and afterwards I feel so much better. You, ne like, I think you said something the other day, you never regret. You only regret the workout you didn't do. Yeah, you yeah. never regret the workout that you did. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that I like is like an early morning exercise. I can kind of check it off my list and then it's done for the day and I can feel virtuous for the day then. I think that's a really important part because I'm, you know, I'm not a scientist, but they, they've proven that by exercising early morning, you know, you, you kickstart your body. It's like yeah. firing up the engine at the start of the day. Yeah. It gives you that energy. It gives you that positive boost. You feel more energetic. You feel more positive and you, you feel more productive as a result. Yeah. And as I said, the, the, the negative side of that is if you then leave it till the end of the day when you're tired, frustrated, it's harder then to get your sports gear on and get out and exercise. So I think morning exercise has massive benefits. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it's making me think actually, because I'm really struggling at the moment to do it in the morning because it's obviously, we're based in the UK here and it's it's really dark. Sure. You know, and um, me personally, I prefer to get outside, like the wind in my hair, like the fresh air, it can rain, hail, snow or shine. And like you say, it's just finding finding ways that you can, that works for you, I guess. What What's the biggest exercise myth that you would like to kind of bust? Well, the one you always hear, especially with women, is obviously um, I won't do weight training because I'll put on muscles. Mm -hmm. I don't want muscles. And this could not be further from the truth. It's so important to do strength training. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking doing the sort of thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger does. I'm not talking having seven protein shakes a day here and building yourself up to be able to bench press 100 kilos. <laughs> I'm talking basic strength training which builds up a good balanced core of muscles. There's conflicting scientific opinion on how many calories you burn per pound of muscle, but it used to be, years ago, they used to say it was 50 pounds, of, um, 50 pounds, sorry, 50 calories a day per pound of muscle you would burn. Mm -hmm. They've brought that down a bit now, and they say it's more like 10 to 30 calories per pound of muscle. Mm -hmm. So if you put 10 pounds of muscle onto your body, onto your frame, you're already burning up to 300 calories a day simply having that muscle there. Because muscle is a living thing, and it's so important to have muscle on your body because it's oh. the muscle that protects your joints, that makes you stronger, that re reduces the risk of osteoporosis and arthritis, just to name two. And the, the weird way I, I sort of make people look at that is if you were to take 10 pounds of steak, sounds a bit gross, <laughs> flatten it out as flat as it, was, uh, as it would possibly go, so use your steak hammer flat, and then drape yourself in it, a bit Lady Gaga style. <laughs> um, that ten pound of steak wouldn't cover your whole body. It's as simple as that. It wouldn't. It wouldn't anywhere near cover your whole body. And when you think of steak, you think of muscle. Yeah, yeah. But it would only therefore make you look a millimetre or so bigger than you already are. Yeah. But the point being is that would be deep inside your body, and you'll be with that getting rid of the fat. So what you're doing is actually replacing the fat you don't want with good functioning, strong muscle. Yeah. So 
the only way you would ever get huge with strength training is if you take it to the next level and you start actual yeah. uh, muscle gain training, which is a whole nother level. That's not what I'm looking to do with people, but if all you're doing is doing basic strength training at a circuit class or a fitness class and just building a certain amount of muscle, it couldn't be more important. It's such an important part of training. So for anyone to say, I won't do any weights, I won't lift any dumbbells because I'm worried that I'm gonna balloon into Arnold Schwarzenegger, it, it will never happen. Can you share with us maybe, obviously I don't expect to name anybody, but is there anybody in particular or a success story, a, a fitness success story in particular that you could just give us a bit of a summary of that might inspire people who need uh, inspiring? <laughs> I mean, we, you could look at different angles. I mean, just a quick one from years ago, a girl came to me who was looking to have IVF treatment and was told she was too overweight, mm -hmm. um, far too big. And they said she had to lose weight before they could even consider going through the IVS process. So I got around the house and we just sat down and talked about diet, simple changes she could make. And some of the things she was doing at the time were crazy. They, like Advice she'd taken from well-known diet clubs, etc., which just weren't helping her at all. were actually making her put more weight on. So she just made little changes to her diet, started training me twice a week. And amazingly, after just, I think, about five, six months of training, just nothing crazy just enough to get her body moving just to lose a few pounds she got pregnant naturally Aww. so obviously that was a, a huge <laughs> deal because you know the whole point of the training was just to help her lose weight to have the IVF and I think something like that is you know anyone can lose weight or gain weight or gain muscle but to have a very huge life-changing specific reason to lose weight like that yeah yeah and then not only that to actually have a baby naturally was quite a big deal yeah and um from what I know, the baby's doing fine. It's obviously years ago, so yeah. <laughs> not a baby anymore. <laughs> um, more recently, uh, touching back on the mental health thing, um, I've got a, a girl who currently comes to my classes. I won't say her name, but she she uh, she won't mind me talking about her. But um, she suffered a loss in her life a number of years back and, and has suffered quite badly since that with depression, uh, mental health issues. And she has tried different exercises and never quite truly found what she likes started coming to classes and it's become addictive for her. She absolutely loves it in a positive way. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not taken over her life. Well, I say it's not taken over her life, but she's now training to be a personal trainer that it's inspired her, it's brought her out of her shell. And it's fantastic to see that just a simple thing like that has had such a positive impact on her life. That, you know, great. It's quite, it's a little bit overwhelmed when you think about it because what, you know, what you're doing is, is your job at the end of the day, but you are affecting people's life. So it is really great when you see a really positive story that changes someone's life. So, Well, that's great. That's so what great. this is all about. You know, exactly. it's like real people, real lives. And I do think that the fitness industry in some ways, I think it's learning in that you now see, you know, plus size models on fitness adverts and things like that. But I still think there's, I don't know if it's snobbery, I don't know what the right phrase is. I think it's really heartening to hear stories of real people with real issues, you know, be it overweight, be it depression, be it whatever, who don't look like Instagram models, are the things that kind of warm the cockles of your heart as a fitness trainer. Absolutely. It's those real people that make a difference. It's not that you want to spend your day rubbing shoulders with the body beautiful. Well, because as a personal trainer, you're, you're working with the general public. You're not working with athletes or Instagram. Well, you might be working with them, but on a large scale you're working with gen the general public yeah and these are the people you 
you know whose stories touch your you know touch your heart and who you become the, the whole personal part of personal training is you become a part of their life you know you spend time around their children you spend to, and to see people make positive changes it's rewarding in itself it's not just about the money it's about feeling like you're helping someone so it's, it is a great job on on those days absolutely that's great so. i love that i love that <laughs> that's brilliant so um before we finish up could you give us then three pieces of advice about exercising in 2020 what would be your three top tips my three top tips don't beat yourself up i think it's so important that you just find something you like to do make exercise fun don't stick to one thing me personally I, I like all sport I like all things now I, I like to try new things just enjoy moving mm -hmm. just try and move on a daily basis just mm -hmm. have fun with it don't get hung up on trying to achieve results which are not possible perhaps or not possible in the short term just enjoy exercise just enjoy being fit and healthy and just enjoy getting out there and being active and enjoying the outdoors that's that's uh, sort of my take on it especially as I get older I think <laughs> I think spending time with the family is you know, it becomes more important to me now than yep. how many hours I spend in the gym. So just enjoying moving and just having fun with it. Obviously, diet-wise, obviously, just in, again, same thing. Just enjoy what you're eating. In, you know, make sure you're eating sensibly, but don't take out the food you don't like. Yeah. So the harder you make it for yourself, the, the, the more restriction you give yourself. Mm. You're not enjoying your food, and therefore mm. you're more likely to fail. Just enjoy your meals. Make sure you're eating sensibly. Make sure you're getting sufficient calories. Make sure you're getting a, a good variety of all natural, healthy foods, and just eat what suits you, mm. as long as it's sense, you know, as, as long as it's sensible. Great. Uh, and drink plenty of water. Obviously, there is always a good one. Great. We'll put all the links to you and uh, your site and your classes, obviously, in the show notes below this episode here. But obviously, this this is podcast is listened to by people far and wide who are nowhere near us in the beautiful Peak District, but. You know, I just wanted to say, really, thank you very, very much for coming on. It's been great and it's been really good to hear the kind of real side of the fitness industry, which is that, you know, it is for all of us. We do all have a place there and none of us should feel like we should be excluded from it. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. I've, been, I've enjoyed talking to you today, Holly, and uh, I think that's definitely the message I try to get out these days. That it's, it's for everyone, 100% for everyone. And if there's someone in the gym or someone in the class that thinks otherwise that's their problem and not yours so just enjoy it great Andy thank you very very much thanks Holly so there you have it no matter who you are how old you are what your current level of fitness is go out there get yourself some lycra and get cracking on a more serious note this podcast absolutely achieved the brief for me and that is that all the world really is for everybody no one should ever feel ashamed or embarrassed like we're too old or too overweight to start an exercise regime. People like Andy are out there right now waiting for your call and they'd love to help you. What Andy has shown us today is that all of us really can take the practical steps to find exercise a place in our lives, no matter how busy we are. Don't waste time beating yourself up. Just go and get something done. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Rediscovery of Me Life Stories podcast and that in some way it's added value to your life. Thank you for joining me. I've been your host, Holly Hartley. Please make sure that you tell everyone you know who might benefit from listening all about the show. 
It's free to listen to, of course, in any app that supports podcasts. Make sure that you click like and leave a review. I'll see you, your amazing person, on the next edition of Life Stories, where we'll explore how one man's mission to help the homeless started a national movement. Remember, one person's story really can be someone else's survival guide. You are enough.